welcome again. Um, those of you who are um, online or in person, again, if this is your first time with us, I'm so thankful that you're here and we want to be able to connect or communicate with you. So again, I encourage you to text that word welcome to uh, 636-206-8654 and just really want to be able to uh, let you know more about our church family. So I wrestle some with um, a couple of different seasons in my life, um, either because of just some personal choices that I made that you know were sinful or just because of a season of life, discouragement or doubt. There was just a couple of seasons in my life that I can look back on and just recognize you know, I, I, you know, am, am I really saved? Am I somebody who really um, honors Jesus enough to be able to recognize that? Or have the choices that I've made in my life um, taken me too far away from God? And especially when I come across a verse like we're going to look at today, Luke chapter 12 and verse 10, in which Luke says these words. He says, can you put that up there for me, Dale? He says, um, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I mean, to me, that's a, that's a difficult verse. Anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I mean, I look at a verse like that, and it's, it's challenging when you go through difficult seasons. And I'm guessing some of you kind of understand that feeling, Right? First of all, we say things like, well, I thought that God could absolutely forgive everything. I thought it didn't matter. Or we may think to ourselves, you know, I did have that season in college or right after college in which, you know, I kind of drifted a long way away from God. Or maybe you say to yourself, I remember saying, God, I hate you when I went through that horrible season of my life, that divorce, right? Or that just dark time that I had in my life. Does that mean I'm not forgiven. Did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? What on earth does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? And so if you have any of the kind of those doubts or questions like I've had in my mind at times, maybe you begin to understand a little bit of the perplexity of the disciples, the followers of Jesus, when they heard Jesus give this particular teaching for the first time. And so that's why we are in this particular series entitled, Difficult Sayings of Jesus. So we've been challenging you, encouraging you um, to read through the Gospel of Luke this month. Now we've been asking you to do that the whole year, right? We've been studying every single message has been from the Gospel of Luke. But this month in particular, so we're on reading of day uh, day 15, which happens to be Luke chapter 12, and that's one of the verses that we come across And so if you're anything like me, we come across a verse like that, and it's like, what does that mean? What did Jesus even, what did he want to try to get across there? That's so confusing, or that doesn't seem to kind of fit with the things that I've understood about God through the years. And so we're doing this series, The Difficult Sayings of Jesus, because I don't want you to get discouraged when you read through the Bible. We all need to be reading through God's Word every single day. I don't want you to grow discouraged with that, but it can be easy to do that when you come across a verse and you're scratching your head like, what on earth is this supposed to mean? So last week we took a look at the verse, Jesus said, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. We're not supposed to have a new winery here at our church, but what we learned from that verse is that They struggled with, in that day, 
being a Jew coming to Christ and mixing the old with the new. And Jesus is saying you can't do that. And what we really learn is that our spiritual practices don't make us spiritual. In other words, it's time for us to quit checking the box saying, okay, I showed up at church today, I'm good. I was nice to the preacher today, I'm good. God's happy with me, he's pleased with me now. But what we need to learn is that he's all about a relationship. So today we take a look at this verse from Luke chapter 12. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles. If you haven't, there's Bibles in the seat in front of you, your phone or your tablet. Those of you online, you can click the Bible tab or open your Bible up. But as we take a look at this particular verse, Jesus really is kind of in your face in this whole passage. These first 12 verses of Luke um, chapter uh, 12, right? Luke 12, and that where we're at? Right, 12 verses of Luke 12. He's like... I'm, I'm, I'm on you now. I'm after you now. He, he is forcing us, his disciples then and you and I today, to begin to have an eternal perspective, to begin to realize that the things that I do today and the choices I make today, they have an eternal impact. And so you're going to see him kind of no holes barred, kind of in your face teaching as he goes through this particular gospel today. But what we learn from it is this, that God demands total allegiance. He's not interested in half-hearted followers. He's not interested in 75% or 80%. God demands total allegiance. And we're going to see that in some of the words that we, he shares today. But here's what you and I need to learn. And it's simply this, to stay firmly committed to Jesus Christ requires us to have a soft heart towards God. And so the encouragement is this, keep your heart soft towards God. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and then apply that to our lives today about what can we do to make sure that we keep our hearts soft towards God. So I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read starting in verse 1, and I want to encourage you to follow along. So here's what Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 1. He says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. So in other words... Life was growing a little bit challenging. The crowds were causing problems. They were stomping on one another. I don't know if you've ever been to a concert growing up or you've ever been to a sporting event. Sometimes you feel like, pre-COVID, obviously, that, you know, people are stomping on each other. And so they got this huge crowd which presents a problem. And then you've got the issues of the Pharisees. Look what he says beginning in verse 2, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Why, why did he warn them about the Pharisees? Well, part of the reason is because the Pharisees loved looking good on the outside without really caring what they were like on the inside. I mean, the Pharisees were good at looking good, and Jesus is kind of challenging them and saying to them, look, don't only pay attention to the outside. Quit trying to please people. Quit trying to make people happy. 
I think it was a little bit of an issue for these disciples because the crowds were coming and they were thinking, this is great. We've got a crowd. You know, everybody loves Jesus. But Jesus knew the heart of a lot of people, right? Jesus knew that oftentimes the crowd was there, well, mostly for the fish and chips and the free health care, right? Not all of them. But they were there for the wrong kind of reasons there. And so Jesus is saying to them, look, stop trying to look good on the outside. God knows your hearts, and someday that's going to be revealed to us. And so then he goes on, verse 4. Luke 12, verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, that's a little bit confusing because in the same verses he says, be afraid, but don't be afraid. Did you notice that? Be afraid, don't be afraid. I don't know. Jesus is sometimes like that. Again, he's teaching us about this is an all-or-nothing thing. And even though we wrestle with trying to make people happy, the person that we need to make happy is the one who not only has influence on what happens in this life, but has full influence on what happens in the next life. What we do today goes on into eternity. And he says, you need to pay attention. You need to fear God. Now, this is the idea of awe or respect recognizing who God is and what he can do in our hearts and our lives. But then he switches it and reminds us of the kind of God that he is, that he is a father who cares so much for us, we don't even have to worry about what happens tomorrow. We don't even have to be concerned for the things that happen to us tomorrow. This is a God who loves us and shows mercy and grace to us. But even in the midst of the mercy and grace, don't allow that to lull you into taking God for granted. My, my personal experience with being a Christian is that I really haven't ever had much, by the way, of persecution. I mean, when somebody learns that I'm a preacher like they're on the golf course, you know, they may make a comment, but generally it cleans up their language a little bit, right? I mean, uh, I, I just, I really, I haven't, uh, the people in my neighborhood, the people that I know, you know, I, again, I work for a church, so maybe that helps a little bit, but it, it's like, I, I just have not had much persecution. I've had great blessing, and I think most of us who live in this area, West County, Maybe you've had family members, right, who've been antagonistic towards you a little bit or they've made comments towards you a little bit, but they haven't tried to cut your head off, at least that I know, right? They haven't, you know, hated you so much that they're going to throw you into jail. And so one of the dangers, I think, of living in America as a Christian is that it is easy to take God for granted, that it's easy at times to grow lax in our faith, And I think Jesus knows that. I think Jesus recognizes, you know what? You need to understand that this living for God is an all or nothing thing. And so then we come to the passage we're going to spend more time on this morning, beginning in verse 8. Luke 12, verse 8 says this, I tell you, 
Whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. When I declare Jesus is my Lord and Savior, Jesus does that for us. But then the warning comes. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So what is he talking about when he says the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? So there's three different words there that I think kind of help us better understand this, all right? So verse 9 is the first word, to disown. So what does he say there in verse 9? But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before my Father in heaven or before the angels of God. So again, this is in contrast with those who acknowledge me, those who disown me. What does it mean to disown Jesus? Well, it's a word that means to deny, uh, to repudiate, to refuse to recognize or acknowledge. So what this word disown means is that the evidence is right there in front of you. It's very clear. It's very plain. It's been given to you multiple times. You can't really argue with it, so what do you choose to do with it? I just choose to deny it. I repudiate. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I refuse to recognize it as truth. I refuse to acknowledge it as truth. I have disowned Jesus, the reality of Jesus. Now, when we hear that word disown, in my mind at least, I think of the Apostle Peter, right? The night that Jesus is on trial and what happens? Peter denies Jesus, and yet Jesus later forgave him. So what does he mean, disowned before the angels of God? Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Peter in a moment. But when we choose to not acknowledge God before men in a public place, but we choose to disown, in other words, we reject the truth, we don't want to have anything, we, don't, we repudiate that truth, that's a huge warning to us. The second phrase is found in the first part of verse 10, to speak a word against. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. I like how the message puts this. He, Eugene Peterson says, I can badmouth out of ignorance. To speak a word against is this idea of being kind of flippant with how I view and talk about Jesus. Um, it's based really on a lack of understanding or a, just an unwillingness to try to grasp the truth of that. So when I was in high school, there was a young lady who was in my literature class, and studying literature, one of the parts of it, we studied the Bible. And I remember as we were talking about the Bible, um, she said words something like this. She said, you know what, the Bible is irrelevant. It's old, it's antiquated, it's out of date, it just doesn't apply to us today. And I've heard other people say that, right? Now, does she really believe that? Maybe, but probably she was just being flippant. She'd probably heard her parents say that as some excuse so they didn't have to go to church or believe in God. I don't know. But, you know, to, had she studied that intently? Probably not. And I think that this is the kind of the concept of most of the people who are unbelievers around us. I think they fit in this category. It's not that they really outright just deny that they would believe in Jesus Christ. It's more of a flippant attitude. It really is an excuse for them not having to come face to face with the reality of God or of Jesus Christ. So everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But if one 
goes down that flippant road too long. You know, if one continues down this road of just, I don't want to have anything to do with that, I don't have time for that anymore, if you go down that road too long, the eventual place that you arrive at is a heart that has grown hard, which really leads us to the phrase that we're looking at today, verse 10, the second part, the word blaspheme. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. This word means to slander or to defame, to revile. Of all the words that Jesus could have selected in this idea of slander, this has the strongest expression of personal defamation that Jesus ever could have chosen to use in this particular context here. This is not flippant. This is someone who clearly knows and understands, and this is the choice that they make. So why is it then that if you speak a word against Jesus, you can be forgiven, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven? Why the difference between Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Well, some of it's in the word. You know, the first word is a much more of a flippant attitude. The second word is this strong expression of personal defamation. But another part of it is think about the role of Jesus and the Holy Spirit while they were on this earth. What was the role of Jesus? Well, Jesus' role was, one, to show us the Father, so we would have a better understanding of God the Father, His love and His heart and His compassion towards us. But the real role of Jesus being on this earth was what? To give His life as a ransom for many, to pay the price for our sins on the cross. And Jesus accomplished that role while He was on this earth, and then He goes up into heaven. But what does He promise in regard to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't come until Jesus leaves this earth, right? What is the role of the Holy Spirit on this earth? The first role of the Holy Spirit is to testify to Jesus Christ. And His role continues from the time Jesus leaves this earth until the time Jesus comes back. He testifies, gives evidence, proves, demonstrates that he has come to be able to testify for Jesus Christ. In fact, John says this in John 15, or Jesus says this in John 15, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, so he's telling the truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So you've heard people wonder, well, what, what about those people who've never heard about Jesus? How are they going to be able to go to heaven? Well, part of the role of the Holy Spirit is that every single person who has ever lived since the coming of, since Jesus Christ went back up into heaven has the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit all over the whole world, who is working to testify to them about Jesus Christ. Now, the other role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. In other words, every person that you know, and you're included in that, the Holy Spirit is also working to convict them of their sin, to demonstrate to them their need of repentance and salvation. And so when we come to this idea of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, what we're talking about here is not really the words that come out of my mouth. I mean, they're important, but it's really demonstrating the condition of my heart, right? I mean, what was it that Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45? 
He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, the words that come out of our mouth demonstrate the condition of our heart. And a person who chooses to ignore the testimony and ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit They've made a clear choice. They've made a clear decision that they don't want to have anything to do with God. So when I reject again and again and again the conviction that God has given to me through His Holy Spirit, when I reject again and again and again the testimony that the Holy Spirit has given to me about the reality of Jesus, that I need to believe in Him again and again and again, as one person I read this week said, they have declared war on God. God. You see, it's impossible for God to forgive someone who says, I won't listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for God to forgive someone who says, I will not follow Jesus Christ. And the reason it is impossible is because through the Spirit, The testimony of Jesus and the conviction of their sin is continually coming into the hearts and the lives of people. So in other words, the one determined to go to hell certainly will go there because they have rejected all hope. They have rejected all goodness. God allows humanity to choose. He doesn't want humanity to choose. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. But he gives us the free will. And if you and I choose, if someone chooses to have nothing to do with the Spirit and to reject the Spirit again and again and again, God will allow them to do that. So what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It is a continual rejection of the Holy Spirit's testimony about Jesus and ignoring the conviction that God places on their heart because of their sin. So is that a path that you and I might go down? I'm not sure if that's what Jesus was intending here or not, but I do know that there is an antidote for that for us. And that antidote is to keep our hearts soft towards God. So what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? How do we look at such a challenging passage of Scripture and how do we move up to a place that we're keeping our hearts soft towards God? Well, first of all, I I know and recognize that in this room and online with us and in our church family that there are some people who've never publicly acknowledged that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior. Maybe you've believed that for a long time and you've thought, yeah, you know, Jesus is important to me or you recognize Jesus' salvation by grace through faith from the cross, but you've never publicly acknowledged that as Jesus says we need to do in this particular verse. You know, you've thought about that. Maybe you've even talked to somebody about that. Maybe at some point in your past you prayed a prayer, but you've never publicly stood before a group of people and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, that you publicly declared that, that you, you've never publicly demonstrated that faith in Jesus Christ by being immersed into him. My encouragement to you today, if you fall within that category, is today's the day to make that choice, to make that public declaration, to make that decision today. Don't put it off because, again, the further down the road that we go, 
the more challenging that becomes. But for those of you who have said yes to Jesus Christ, what will it look like for you to keep your heart soft towards God? I mean, we all have moments of doubt and despair. We all have moments of rebellion, of making choices in our life in which we dishonor God. We, we all, every person, if you're breathing in here today, you've wrestled with that. I mean, I know for me personally, these last few months have been a very challenging time of real darkness at times, of just some real despair at times, anger against other people, anger against God. You know, questioning God, what is, what is happening? What, what is going on? And yet at the bottom of all that was a continual understanding and reminder to myself even at times, the truth of God is real. And I see that evident in other people, in other people's lives, but we all go through those moments. Does that mean I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. But what am I doing, what are you doing to keep your heart soft towards God? I mean, it, I love the words that Jesus spoke to Peter when he warned him that he was going to, you know, deny him. They're sitting around the table, and in Luke chapter 22 and verse 32, Jesus says this, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. But do you notice what he says? And when you do turn back. He looks at all of us in the moments of our struggle and despair and difficulty, and he looks at us with full confidence and saying, turn back to me. So what do we need to do? I think we need to continually put ourselves in a place where God can be working on our hearts and helping us. I mean, what we do here this morning, whether online or in person, this is something we need to be committed to. That we, every single week, we're a part of letting God speak into our lives and encouraging one another. The nice thing about streaming is that you, you can do that wherever you happen to be. But we need this time. We need the relationships beyond this bigger group in smaller groups to be able to continually allow God to work on our hearts and our lives. That's why one of our values here, one of our priorities is small groups. And right now, during this whole month, we're encouraging you to sign up for small groups. You know, you can go onto our website and click the link there. You can go out. There's a paper form out there. You can put on your Connect card. You can type that into the chat box there. I want to be a part of a small group. That's such a crucial thing to be able to have people that you realize, you know what? They struggle just the way I struggle. We need to be reading in God's Word every day. So this whole month, we're encouraging you, all of us together, to read through the Gospel of Luke. There's a bookmark in your seat, or there's some on the table out there. We're on day 15. Uh, I encourage you, it's not too late to start to be reading every day. Every two or three days, you check out our Facebook page, and I'll post something about what I've observed and some action step that I have taken to do that. But we need to be able to serve live, be committed. What are you doing to put yourself in a place that God can continually work on your hearts? And the other encouragement would be this. What is one priority shift you need to take? What's just one maybe simple small priority shift you need to take? 
Because all of us get distracted, right? Stuff gets in the way, family, life, bills, all kinds of stuff get in the way. Most distractions are not bad things, right? They're just distractions. But maybe we're making choices in our life that's leading to that distraction. So what's one simple priority shift maybe you need to take? Maybe it's time for us to remind ourselves of our allegiance to God, that He demands everything from us. But what He demands, He also gives in blessings in great abundance to us. So you've probably seen something like this. Here's a picture that I found online, right? Maybe that's your sidewalk or your driveway. I don't know. You know, you think you got all the weeds killed off and they poke right up through there. Um, Sometimes it's annoying, but I love pictures like this of uh, this weed or plant growing up through the concrete. It shows to me the great power of God in something so small and simple as Him working in my heart and in my life. The nation of Israel was in great danger of getting to a place that their hearts was so hard that they turned against God. And so here's the words through the prophet Isaiah, kind of a word of warning. He says, sow righteousness for yourself, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Sow righteousness for yourself. Reap the fruit of unfading love. That line, break up your unplowed ground. What do, you, what do you and I need to do to make our hearts soft towards God? And then what does he say there? It is time to seek the Lord. More than anything else, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Just implore you to put your relationship with God first above everything else. It is time for us to seek the Lord. 